This is the NP Business Matters Podcast, episode number 30, with Dr. Eileen O'Grady on health and wellness coaching. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and the Clinician Business Institute. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. And you can learn more at npbusiness.com and cliniciansinstitute.com. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Eileen O'Grady. She is a nurse practitioner. She has been involved in policy, education, clinical practice, professional writing, and now she is doing health coaching. I had the opportunity to listen to her speak just a few months ago at a meeting, and she was talking about how we can really do a better job of taking care of ourselves. And so I wanted to have her on this podcast. And today we're going to focus on coaching and just all the ins and outs about that, just what we need to be looking at in terms of certification, our, our clients. And I've asked her, it's certainly that question everybody asks about, and that's practicing over state lines. Now, one of the things you're going to hear us talk about toward the end of the podcast is that Eileen has a book that is just about ready to come out. And we mention it, but she's going to come back on a future episode to talk more about that book. I will confess I've had the opportunity to read a pre-release copy and I I love it. I, I don't know what else to tell you. There are so many stories and things that each and every one of us can relate to. But for right now, let's listen to Dr. Eileen O'Grady talk about health coaching and wellness. I was practicing in primary care and I had been doing that for, you know, dozens of, you know, two dozen years. And I just realized that I wasn't really making anybody whole, that I was writing fistfuls of prescriptions every day and people were coming back and they were needing more pharmaceuticals. And I was telling people what to do. And there were two problems with that. One is it doesn't work. And two is that I wasn't even doing the things I was telling my patients to do. You know, so there was this sort of lack of integrity. And I just kind of had the, the midlife swan dive and realized, you know, I just can't do this anymore. Like I, I didn't actually have the skills to engage with somebody about lifestyle change so that they could live in a way where they're not going to host a chronic preventable illness. And I, I knew how to tell people, I knew how to put the expert hat on, but I didn't know enough about motivational science and habit science to really uh, work with people long-term to really change their lifestyle and get off the pharmaceuticals. And I think that that's a problem that that we all find in our practices and we get frustrated with it. And you chose to go into coaching, which is so different than the medical model. Yeah, I mean, I think what happens is we, we go to these NP programs and we learn whole person care and look at the context of the environment. And then we get out and we're, we're kind of siloed into these narrow um, funnels and we're, we're forced to practice within the context of the medical model. I mean, Barbara, I know a guy that just does thumbs. 
like, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's a super specialized, that's all he does. He doesn't want to see another knee or shoulder. He just does thumb surgery. And so, you know, and it's just deeply dissatisfying when you have this bigger skill set and you can't use it. Like we all know that, particularly in some of the states with restricted practice. So I think this idea of being able to practice in the way that I wanted to practice um, and I, you know, I had to go out on my own because nobody would hire me at the time. You know, this is 15 years ago. Nobody was interested in having group coaching visits and getting all the new diabetics around the table and saying, okay, we're going to get you off this medicine. We're going to turn this Titanic around and get you off this. How, how does that sound for everybody? And, you know, there was just no interest. And I, I think it's, we're getting there. The incentives are changing. But yeah, I think this medical model is sort of crushing so many of us. So when people are looking at coaching, um, particularly nurse practitioners that are looking at this as a business model, just what are they looking at? Or maybe we should just even go further back. Just what is coaching? That's great. And it comes from the, the word, um, you know, coach, it's a Romanian word. And it, it means to, to take from one place to another, um, to carry from point A to point B. And, um, and so we often think of coaching as, as an expert, like a basketball coach is somebody that really knows the game and gives advice. But when I, when I talk about coaching, which I do a lot, is that it's really about we have to unlearn our expert hat. So when I get a call from somebody who wants to work with me and lose 100 pounds, um, I have to, you know, not know anything about that person and, and think of it more as, a, as an excavation project is to pull out the truth from that person. What is eating them? Where are your needs going unmet? What, you know, because there's some kind of numbing going on in your life and let's get to the root of that. So there's no diets, there's no gimmicks, there's no potions or lotions. It's really um, having the person um, use their own expertise on themselves. And so when you become a coach, you know, you have to unlearn all the stuff we learned in our nursing programs <laughs> and not come in with all the answers. I mean, obviously that's appropriate. You have an appendicitis, you have an acute illness, you need experts, but there are so many um, diseases and conditions where people just need a really good listener and somebody to ask really good questions. And, and so not everybody is, is in need of expertise. They need to, be, to, to know themselves more, if that makes any sense. It does. And I think that that is, um, there is a level of expertise to that in learning how to ask those questions, but also to really listen, which is something, you know, we're trained from, from day one, um, to, to really use ourselves to help that person. Yeah, and I have a dream that we take this coaching content, which is very proprietary, and it's not available online, like th these programs are rather expensive and lengthy, uh, and bring it and hijack and bring it into nursing programs. And that's one of the passions I have is that it should be a core competency about, you know, when is it appropriate, like who can be coached, like if somebody is um, in resistance or they're not interested or they're high or they're angry or they're grieving, like you, you can't, you're, you can't be coached. But there are many things where when somebody is stuck in some self-defeating lifestyle where that's, you just start asking questions and um, it's so freeing. It's like, I never feel drained 
um, when I spent a day on coaching calls ever. I feel, especially when we have really powerful conversations where the person is moved, there's some generative moment and there's some big insight and I'm just holding the container in the space for them. So what I, I get a lot of, you know, inquiries about becoming a coach and, what I'm troubled about is is coaching is, is kind of like the, the Wild West. It was sort of the way nurse practitioners were in, in the 70s and 80s where people thought, oh, I've been an RN for 25 years. Now I'm an NP. You know, So we had to add curriculum and graduate degrees and certification and all that. And in coaching, there's many, many people that call themselves coaches and they've never even taken a course or been certified or they go through a certification program where the program certifies itself. So... I would tell people that they should only be looking at programs um, that uh, lead to international coaching certification, uh, ICF, that is really emerging as the leader in certifying coaches. So if you want to work or get a contract with a, a large um, Deloitte or the federal government, you have to have an ICF certification. And it's quite rigorous. Like you, you will have to unlearn. And, and talk to somebody with a problem for 30 minutes and not give any advice. And for nurse practitioners, that is a huge exercise in restraint. I mean, we have to unlearn so much because we don't have the answer. And we, we have to just be curious and stay with the questioning and let the person come up with their own answer. And, and you know, we can make suggestions. I mean, I, I do a hybrid model because people come to me sort of from that dieting culture, you know, where restriction and, you know, counting calories and all that old fashioned stuff. And, and so we have this new model now where, um, you know, they just learn how to eat intuitively and notice when they're, when they're binging or when they're trying to numb. So it's a very different model, but sometimes they want to do some crazy things. And, and so I will like ask permission um, if I can make a suggestion. So there's no, I'm not wedded to them using it or not. Just because, you know, I have a lot of knowledge in this. And so I don't want people to fail. So that's one of the other important pieces of, of learning to be a really good coach is, is knowing when to do that and, and asking really good questions. You know, when you said, um, for us not to be giving advice, you know, as nurse practitioners, I mean, my goodness, that has what has been drilled into us, not only as we go through our programs in to be able to teach people what we, I'm going to say what we think is the right thing to do, because there's, there's never what we think is right to do is not necessarily what is right to do. And certainly not what we're taught both in our programs and in continuing education courses. And as we look at um, just all the research coming out, I know a lot of our colleagues get confused with that. So being able to just ask the questions and to truly listen, I think that that's golden. And I think that takes us back to, again, Nursing 101 or 102, whichever one it was when I first heard the term therapeutic use of self and read mm -hmm. some book on it. And um, it was it's just something I've never forgotten. Oh, I'm so glad you said that, Barbara, because... Um, uh, I just wrote, a, a, there's a manuscript that's getting published on, it's kind of a re we, we just wrote a book on, on kind of re bringing back the therapeutic use of self, that relationship at the center of care, but bringing the care back to healthcare. And so I hope you have me on when that book comes out, because we, we kind of just did a fresh reimagination of it, because uh, it's, it's really gotten lost. And so that's it. We'll just bracket that. And, and I think 
and that that's what it is that I'm I'm here and I'm listening and you can tell me anything. Um, and sometimes, you know, when people say things out loud, they've never said before and didn't even know were true. That's often the very beginning of the change cascade. And so what we're trying to do is get people to say their the truth, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and uh, for them. Um, mm-hmm. that's like, you know, I, I can't stop eating once I start on the sugar at night, for example, you know, and that's a, that's a big thing to say. That's a, that's a huge thing. And so it's like, okay, so now we, there's powerlessness here. And so are we slipping into an addiction? And th- right. the simple definition is, you know, we're, we just, we can't stop. And so the addiction treatment is very different from, um, other things because when we are addicted to anything it's it's not a cut down situation it's an abstinence and so every time you introduce that addictive substance the craving of the body and the obsession of the mind take off and you're off to the races and you're defeated from the get-go so people just get stuck in this pattern and so there you know i'd certainly insert you know i i I use the language of uh, my intuition is telling me like i'll say that so i can be wrong and I'll just okay. check it out with them. So it's not like I don't um, give advice, but it can feel really violent. I, I think, Barbara, we don't, nobody likes to be told what to do. I mean, I certainly no. don't. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just don't. We're, we're Americans, you know. Look at this vaccine rollout. You know, nobody wants to be told what <sighs> to do. So I think, um, you know, just letting, and, and really using the cycle of change. So when people are in resistance, you know, the, it's, it's, it's harmful to start telling people what to do because you're driving them deeper back into resistance. Or if they're, the only time advice is really helpful in that change cycle is when people are at the end of preparation and moving into action. That's when it's useful. And like, what percentage of the population are there? Most of us are parked in, in contemplation. Well, we got one foot on the gas, one on the brake. We want to, but we don't. We're just in that ambivalence place. We're stuck there for decades. So when you start giving advice to someone like that, you're harming them. And so that's what bothers me so much about this medical model. It's like walking in, I have all the answers, and I'm going to just rain down all this knowledge on you that you're not even looking for. Because, you know, knowledge is really cheap, Barbara. We, we, we have the internet now, and it's yeah. at our fingertips. And, and what, what's, what's really lacking is wisdom. Mm, say more about that. Well, it's just, it's just, you know, there's so much information, but we seem like not that wise, <laughs> you know, based I on, agree. you know, how we're living, just self-defeating behavior. And, you know, there's just kind of this lack of wisdom sometimes in what, you know, what we're eating and how we're living and, and, and sometimes, you know, how nurses like treat their own bodies. And so like abusive and punishing and they don't take any time off. There's no white space in their life, you know, uh, and, and I speak from experience for sure. You know, you know, three graduate degrees in healthcare. Maybe, maybe now I'll be okay if I get a fourth. You know, and and just driving ourselves so hard. And um, and I, I just, I, I'm really interested in, and in why is it that some of us grow old and others of us grow wise? And what is that? You know, why are there some of us yelling at the TV and you know, sort of checked out in our own growth, and others of us are really interested in in the truth and and, and deeper answers to life. Oh, that's an excellent question. And I'm sitting here and I'm thinking about that because the work that I do these days is um, medical hypnosis. And so much of it is doing some of the things that you're talking about, asking those questions, but also getting people 
to tune into that, what I call the higher um, inner wisdom that they have. Mm -hmm. Because we all have that part of ourselves, but oftentimes we aren't listening to it. And if we do, we can find so many different answers. Yeah, so Barbara, why is that? It's so interesting to me, like nurses that were, we, you know, mind-body connection and all that. And then I, I, I notice, and I don't know if you do, that so many of us are very disconnected from our bodies. I, you know, what I really think it is, at least what I think for me it was, was survival. You know, mm. and, and if you go further back, it's... Um, you know, when we go to school, it's no matter what it is. I mean, my nursing program, I'm talking my ADN program was the hardest thing I ever did. Even though I was a science major, uh, you know, as a straight A student, I did all of these different things. But when I started that ADN program, first of all, it was stuff I'd never learned before, never seen before, or relatively. But secondly, it was so competitive, and I had an instructor who was really downright abusive, and she mm-hmm. was for the full two years. Her job was to make me cry every day. So, mm-hmm. I think that we go into this protective mode. We have to prove ourselves, prove ourselves, prove ourselves, prove ourselves over mm-hmm. and over again. Then we get into the hospital or wherever we start our nursing careers, and if we're not working Every day, every holiday, sometimes three shifts in a row, then what's wrong with you? Or if you can't make it in a stressful environment, oh, you're not very good then, are you? So, mm-hmm. I, I think there's this this whole thing of, you know, I need to be better and I need to, um, I need to survive this. I need to prove myself. Yeah. yeah. So, so if there's armor built up, and then there's um, this this protective gear because that that was our measure of success. It's just sort of gritting your teeth and getting through it. Right. And now, as we grow wise, it's like we don't want to live that way anymore. And so, mm-hmm. to me, like when we're you know, I, I've gotten so much more intuitive and. Like when I, you know, the body is the early warning system, like the, some relationship isn't going right, or I don't like the way that, that really, that whole thing went down and, you know, try to name what's troubling me. Um, you know, that, that to me is like just living more reflectively instead of reflexively, you know, instead of just responding and reacting to all this incoming uh, stress, it's like, I get to decide and choose how I'm going to respond and, and listening to my body and, and even listening to people that I'm talking to, like, you know, there, there, there might be an intuitive hit that comes in and I'll just say it. And sometimes I'm wrong and it, I don't really care about being right or wrong. I just want to get it right. And, um, and I'll just say what pops in like, Oh, could this be true for you? Mm-hmm. And it just kind of, it just advances the whole, the whole conversation. So what I love about coaching is just that it's, it's, um, I mean, our success is really tied to our client's success, but it's the science and study for me of um, human change. You know, how does a human being go from being, you know, 100 pounds overweight or totally stressed out to this calm-centered person that doesn't struggle with these basic bedrock behaviors? That they're not, they're not, they don't have a civil war going on with themselves. You know, that, that to me, that science is, I want to spend the rest of my life, Barbara, just studying that and getting really good at it. So what I would say to anyone listening, like if you want to become a coach, you have to get certified. You just can't call yourself a coach. It's, it's quite skillful. 
and um, and then just get really, really good at it, you know, because I, I, I think that's so important is this practice and practice and practice and, and knowing exactly what's the next thing I can say to this person that's going to move them forward versus back into resistance. Like it's quite skillful. And, you know, we spend all this time in these programs learning to do the head to toe physical and but not so much on talking to patients. And I, and I want that flipped. Yes, and that is that is so true. One of the things that um, has become really clear as I've started since I've started doing the medical hypnosis was just how important our words are. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you you know that the words are important, but I think we have so many rote phrases that we use. Now, hold still. This is going to hurt. Mm-hmm. Or this might hurt you. And mm-hmm. um, why are we giving them s- the suggestion that it's going to hurt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And our language, or even with medications, well, you know, here's this lisinopril. Mm-hmm. And it just might work on you, and it might not, or this antibiotic, or whatever the case may be, or you might have these side effects, or we often see these side effects. And those suggestions are pretty powerful because people are listening to us as healthcare providers, and we have this level of authority. Mm-hmm. And so, what we say must be true. And mm-hmm. so, why not experience that? Of course, that happens to a certain degree or another, depending on the individual, but languaging mm-hmm. is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, I don't know how emphasized that is in, in these education programs. You know, I mean, it's, it's you're right. And the, the, that placebo research, too, is just fascinating, you know? Right. Um, and nocebos, you know, and, and just how our minds play all these tricks on us, you know, and that, and that nothing really good is going to happen unless that person trusts you. And so that's why I would say to anyone, you know, owning or starting a business, like you, you've just got to be really good at what you do first, because I feel like that, that core competency of advanced practice nurses is being really good, a really good clinician and, and be, you know, at the mastery level. Like that, you know, that's the bedrock of where we, what we come from. And, um, and then using our interpersonal skills to build trust. And that once you have that, I mean, you're golden, you know, and there's an article that I always tell people to read. It's called a thousand true fans written, written by, um, Tim, I forget his last name. It'll come to me but it's called a thousand true fans and it's an essay. And he talks about how anyone starting any enterprise, whatever it is, just needs a thousand true fans of people that you're going to take care of that are interested in what you're doing. They're enrolled in what you're doing so that we never want to be in a situation where we're doing guerrilla marketing or sending obnoxious, you know, you know, you buy something from pottery barn and you get four emails a day. You know, you never want to be that way. You want to give people things so so that they, they want to follow you. And so I, I just love that article and whatever you can do to build, you know, collect email addresses. That was one of the wisest things somebody told me to do like 15 years ago when I did this was to start collecting emails from day one. And it's probably the most valuable thing I have is my database. And I send out a wellness pearl less than once a month. It's really short. I spent a ridiculous amount of time on it and it's just, it, it, there's no marketing in it. It's just a reminder I'm here and here's, here's a little wellness pearl 
you know, 250 words and then interesting things I've come across on the internet or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. videos or resources. And, um, I, that's, you know, I, I have a lot more than a thousand people now, but that's, that's where it all, that idea came from was that I was going to take these people and take really good care of them and, and be really thoughtful about how I interact with them. So that I would recommend that article and just being really thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. in addition to not being, t- you know, t- telling people what to do, we also don't want to be sold to. I don't, you know, um, I would love to pay for the internet. So I didn't have to see all these ads, you know? Um, so, you know, th- that idea that if you're, um, you, you, you just give people things, give them trustful, trusting information or get, be original. Like I, that's one of my, my core values is about being really, really original. Um, cause there's so much out there and there, there is nothing original, but we, we, we take things and we combine liberally, um, you know, and we sort of steal, we steal liberally and we combine uniquely. You know, that's kind of mm-hmm. what I think I do. <laughs> so I, I take stuff from all different disciplines and uh, uh, unlikely things. You know, I, I, I take um, Jimi Hendrix um, at Woodstock playing the Star Spangled Banner. Like that's one of my biggest inspirations of originality. Like he took that song and like, you know, <laughs> applied his own wisdom to it, you know. Right. And that's what I think in nursing we, we could be doing. Like if, if we, if we listen to what Loretta Ford is saying, we'd need not just partner with physicians, but go to people right where they are and meet and, and solve a problem in a unique way mm-hmm. uh, and partner with engineers and, uh, and other people, you know, to, to solve problems. And I, I guess I'm not, and you probably are because you're, you're with this innovative group. I'm not seeing as much as I'd like in terms of people being really innovative in nursing. No, no, I, I, it, I think it still goes back to that too. Um, about belonging, you know, and some of, some people are afraid to come out of that mold for a lot mm-hmm. of the reasons that we've already talked about, you know, and, um, about not being good enough to be the the super NP or or some people are not NPs. There are NS that listen. So if you are not in that mold, then then where are you? And I think there are more people kind of trying to step out, but you know, being able to take something and put your own twist on it while keeping your patient client in front of you at top of mind is, is the best way to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because like when I was in practice as a primary care provider, I, I didn't know where to send my patients stuck in self-defeating behavior. Like I could send them to mental health, but they're like, well, they're not depressed. You know, I, I, there was no place to go. And so, you know, like I, I built this school of wellness where you could actually, this is a place where we have expertise in, how do, how do we actually change the, the course of our lives by these tiny little daily habits that we do? And I have been during this pandemic, Barbara, in every, I think every state, in every kind of organization you can imagine um, on Zoom, talking about resilience and well-being, the lawyers, the librarians. I mean, and, and so when I get introduced to like the San Francisco Bar Association, as a nurse practitioner with a PhD, like people st- stand up and recognize like, oh, my credentials actually mean something. Like it, it's a giant yawn in nursing groups. Like they don't care. But when you go out as this credentialed healthcare provider into groups outside of healthcare, 
it's unbelievable how much mm-hmm. how much stature we have. And um, you know, so that that's been another interesting thing is is going um, into the workplace like really upstream before they're in the ICU. That's where I want to get them. Um, is when they're when they're still healthy, but they're suffering and they're driving them, they're grinding themselves, you know, down with their work. They're letting the work take over their entire lives. And, it, you know, it's I always bring up our hospice nurse friends will tell us it's not the things at the end of life that that we regret. It's it's not the work. It's it's the right. it's the self and, and the significant others that we neglect. And that's the regret, right. you know, those those areas. So. I just bring all that into the into a law firm or something. It's fascinating. It's been such a privilege this pandemic, in terms of me being able to serve in that way, in an mm-hmm. unexpected way. You know, and and it's interesting that you bring that up because I can remember um, years and years of going. Why aren't we looking at prevention? You know, we have classes on health promotion, but. In the healthcare arena, we're not really doing anything on prevention. I mean, I think I've seen more of that, but out still outside of the main machine of healthcare. Because that main machine of healthcare is, in my opinion, it's been broken for many years. And there's got to be a better way. And I think this is where the coaching comes in and, and looking at really promoting or using, as you were saying, that therapeutic use of self. Right, right. And and the, so let's get these these folks with elevated A1Cs and let's get them, let's turn it around. Like, no, we're not going to start you on insulin. This is what, here's, here's some ideas. Because yeah. most people are very motivated by that. They, that's not something they want. So you've got a, a really strong personal motivator. But there's like, you go to see an endocrinologist, it's like, okay, here we go. Let's start with the meds. And I, I just think there's there's a better way that that we can we can turn so many things around just just by food alone, you know. And we're all in this toxic food environment, right? So mm-hmm. we've got our health policy in a silo, and then we have our farming policy in another silo, and the two don't talk to each other. So we're growing all this this corn, and you know, fructo, high fructose corn syrup is being produced at cut cut rate. And then, you know, we never, and, and, then, and then it's making us sick. And so it's like a very sick system that this pandemic has unveiled, to, to, you know, our education system, our health system. I mean, you name it, right? So many things are broken. And so, you know, we still have a system where you can get a $30,000 cabbage surgery, um, but not, a te- you know, a, a consult 10 years earlier before the heart disease sets in, you know? We have that's the system that we're in, and I I don't want to. I mean, we need it, and I'm glad we have it. But I want to work in a different system, like something like seven or eight billion dollars a year is spent out of pocket with people buying things, products, potions, and lotions with no evidence base. Right? Like this health and wellness space is filled with flakes and kooks that have no business being in it. Right. And so, you know, we, we, it's really up to us as credentialed healthcare providers to step into this space um, and bring evidence to it. And so for the nurse practitioner, though, who is still working in that machine, how do they begin to, to break out of that? Because we're still, what are we at? We're at a seven minute visit in some cases, 15 if you're lucky. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I really believe in that. I know we've talked about this entrepreneurship, like starting a new line of business within an organization. So it's a lot less riskier to you. And so, you know, I just noticed I'm having this and this was my experience. I'm having the same conversation all day long. Why can't we do more group visits or have classes or get people, you know, to, you know, do group diabetic, do something different. And you might need, for, you know, I think it's a good place to start with what problem do you want to solve? You know, what, what's bothering you? What's, you know, or what population do you want to serve? What, what is it? What's the thing that you're here on this planet to do and want to do well? And then back into it, well, what skill do I need? Actually, I only know how to tell people what to do. And maybe I do want to get some coach training and, and get some expertise in this and offer, you know, if, if you're in a system that you want to provide something different, because lots of places are doing this now, you know, um, offering tele, telecoaching or something different. Um, and then measuring your, your results. Like, you know, you've got to really believe that you can do that. So I always tell people to hold on to their day job, like you, you need to not feel financially insecure or start a business where you're so pressured about money that you're making money decisions like based on your own profit. And that's a terrible, terrible way to start a business with patience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so you want, you want to be secure and do the right thing and be motivated by the right thing, which is serving the patient and, and giving them what they need, not, not making rent next month, you know? Um, so, so I think, you know, having this idea where, you know, my experience was, I don't know if you tell your folks this, Barbara, but it was a long runway, like a very long runway, um, to get this plane up in the air. And so, um, and you need to allow, and that lots of businesses fail because people are all in and the business, the demand isn't there yet, you know? So until you know, you can support yourself, it should be a side hustle. It should be. It's not in all cases, unfortunately. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't for me. I just found myself in a situation that was um, very threatening to my professional life. And I had to jump ship. I mean, it, it turned out that even the person I worked for, I had to testify against. But, um, mm-hmm. and I was fortunate. In, yeah. Pardon? No, that sounds super toxic. Oh, it was. It it. It was. And I mean, that's a whole nother long story. But um, the whole point was, I was fortunate enough that when I had to do that, I had, I had the patients that followed me, that really wanted health care. And so I was lucky in that regard. But you're right, most businesses, um, well, most businesses fail within the first five years. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's just across the board. And certainly with healthcare, um, that can be equally as high, if not higher, if we don't know what we're doing. And we don't know about business when we go to NP school. It doesn't teach us anything. Yeah. No, I think we have, we have an employee mindset. I think that's right. that's what I notice. And and I do get a lot of calls from people, um, you know, with a, either a toxic faculty member, they're getting their DNP and or, or, or a toxic boss. And, you know, my advice is always the same. Like with, with that situation, here's the advice is, is to is to run and don't walk away because you will, you know, or, or else just figure out how to get through it. Like if there's something like a degree that you need and don't fight it, like surrender to it because you will never win that, you know. 
when somebody's really like a narcissist. I mean, there's a lot of, of unwell people, you know, in, in healthcare. And there's a lot of really well people too. I mean, it's, it's a range, right? right? But people call me when they're in some distress. In fact, Carolyn Buford and I kind of work together where she mm-hmm. gets a lot of calls, you know, legal issues around nurse practitioners being mistreated. And sometimes it's a relationship issue and she sends them to me. And then sometimes, you know, I have a, like there might be a legal issue here and I send them to her. Um, so, so, so sort of we always want to figure out what our power is, but we don't want to do is just roll over and accept unacceptable behavior. No, no, we don't. And there's enough nurses out there that need to know how to stand up to that, how to take care of themselves in that, whether they have to run, but just even, you know, someone treats them bad and how do they stand up for themselves? You know, there's so many that, that that's an issue as well. So I think that there's so much that an NP, a nurse, um, any healthcare provider has to understand. We have physicians that are bullied just as much as nurses mm-hmm. are bullied and everybody in between. And let's not forget the housekeeper and the lab tech and right. everybody else who kind of gets the brunt of somebody's behavior. Right. Well, I'm from New Jersey. And so I have a whole thing on bring a little New Jersey direct into it, you know, and, uh, I I have a whole thing on because sometimes when we're bullied or, or uh, you know taken by a really difficult person, we're often ambushed and sort of surprised, and so we're just like deer in the headlights. So I always like to have some things in my back pocket to say, um, and you know to make it safe immediately. Like like if it's a real bully, someone screaming, you know, just ending it right then and there. Emotional vampire gets a, a different treatment. So I have a whole triage system. At the School of Wellness. So, yeah, I should probably just say, like, what, what the School of Wellness is. It's not a place yet, and I'm not sure it ever will be, but it's, it's a, uh, I'm working with a number of people, and, it, and um, we have a curriculum, um, a whole thing. Like, w- we do a lot of public speaking, and then we, what we, you know, are starting to do is also adding individual coaching to it. It's like, a, a, like a, you have us come and talk about resilience or dealing with difficult others, and then, and then maybe some people in the organization would get, you know, some additional coaching because, you know, it's hard to change your life by listening to a talk, right? It's like we have to go deeper and we have to practice and go back. So, I, I would really pitch, um, you know, getting uh, getting coached and having a coach. I mean, mm-hmm. I have two that I toggle between, plus a therapist. So I'm like a full time job here, and and just getting this outside perspective is so so incredibly helpful. I mean, I I, I don't think I would I would have started any of this without having a coach uh, tell me. You know, Eileen, have you ever thought about like I had wanted to go and bring nurse practitioner and my coaching knowledge into the real world, the regular world, like normal people that aren't, weren't in healthcare. And, and I, and I remember she said to me, well, how will you know when you're ready? And I said, well, when I get an invitation and she said, well, well, you know, here's a suggestion, you know, um, you could have an event at your house and invite your friends and neighbors over and, and give a trial. So I remember I set the date for like three months ahead of time. And, and I, and I had this evening at my house and it was just amazing. I was so nervous because I'm used to talking to health professionals and these were like regular people. And I knew I had something that night. I thought, no, we can bring nursing into the workplace. And like, I remember um, I did this session once. Um, it was at a home remodeling company and um, it was on how to break bad news. 
you know, from a nursing perspective to home remodelers, because, you know, they go over budget, they break the granite, all these things happen, and they had no skills. And it was like a standing room only. And there were guys in there literally with tool belts on, taking notes, copious notes. And like next door, they were like how to hang drywall. (laughs) You know, it was like, and it was such a cool thing to bring, you know, when we, when when in healthcare, when we break bad news, we always make sure, you know, we're sitting down and we're eye to eye and we know it's, there's a lot of emotional flooding and we, we guess how they might be feeling. And, and it was, it was remarkable. Like, like these are real skills that we can share with other people. You know, it was really fun to go and bring this to other disciplines is what I'm finding. I, I love that you said with, with uh, remodelers, I wish my contractor had taken that class. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they look down and they, they just can't deal with emotions. And it's like, you're in somebody's home and it's just emotional from the get go. And so I, I have this, I want to just get a tattoo, you know, never meet a feeling with a fact, you know, if you could just acknowledge somebody would be upset, that goes a long way right? It does. <laughs> nursing 101. And so I bring nursing 101 to the, the home remodeling industry. It's, it's, a, it's such a, I've just been in these really interesting, funny situations. Um, this is just an incredible, uh, you know, experience to, to do that. And, 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 uh, and then also when you're getting introduced, you know, it's like people really think, wow, these credentials, they really mean something, you know? <laughs> um, and they, I just I haven't had that experience in nursing. No, we don't. But then I think some of that comes from we are still the most trusted profession and have been for as long as I can remember. Um, and, you know, just having those credentials and being that healthcare provider, there's a lot of um, credibility there. There's a lot of of respect and authority there that we can use to everybody's advantage and as long as it's yeah. not abused, obviously. Yeah, well, I, I, I like to, it's just, this is probably not, I know it's not the right word, but this is the, the idea is that we probably need to exploit that more. You know, that we're so trusted, but yet we're not really stepping out and taking risks and, and, and serving the public in a more fierce way. Um, like, because so much of it is unacceptable. I mean, so, you know, friends and, 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 and family go to healthcare and it's, un, it's unacceptable what they're being offered, what they're being told, you know the error rates, all of it. It's, um, we, we need to, I, I think, so I'm encouraging people to create businesses where they're, they're really solving a problem that they care about and, and not, not just to make money like that, that will just come through. It's, it's really about a being of service and then the money will come. That is so true. That is so true. And what I see in just the NPs that I work with when they're so focused on the money and getting involved in I don't want to say schemes, but um, but they're involved with these things that that really I, I I don't think that they align with us with our integrity mm-hmm. as a whole, mm-hmm. um, and, and it makes me question. But they usually end up having to struggle, and if they do have short term success in that, it's not long term. Yeah, and certainly. Yeah. I don't think and, and also, if it's night. a scheme, it's probably not yours. And it's also, right. um, you know, yeah, not of service to people. You're not, are you, what problem are you solving? And so, um, yeah, I, and I get, you know, three calls a week, people wanting to send me some potion or lotion. And I have gotten to the point where I'll say, um, you send me three months supply and the evidence base. 
I will use it if I, if that's accept, if the evidence base is acceptable and if it is I would recommend it to my clients. So that's the bar and I've never had anyone even come close to meeting it. I never hear from them again. Right. Right. So, I get those all the time. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, and so there's that's what I mean the snake oil salesman and we cannot align ourselves um, you know, and, and, and particularly in this health and wellness space. So somebody got fit or they, they lost weight and they, they're all of a sudden an expert, right? And, and it's just, we need to be stepping into the space because other people are that are wholly unqualified. Totally. Totally. It's, um, it's really spooky to see some of the things that happen out there. Certainly just, um, I don't do anything with any of those supplement things or anything like that, but just in, in medical hypnosis, you have those that are professional and those that are not professional and the things that people talk about that they can take care of and treat and fix is it scares me. Right. Right. No. So I'm, I'm sort of pushing back. So I call myself the anti-flake, you know, and, and the other thing I'd say here is when I started my business, I must know a thousand nurse practitioners all over this country, as I'm sure you do more than that. I'm sure you know more. And I thought, oh, this is going to be so great because people are going to just refer their clients to me. You know, people that are stuck in self-defeating behavior. You know, there's no shortage of them, right, in the planet. <laughs> right. And I just thought, oh, people are going to just refer people to me. And there's there's one Florida, there's one nurse practitioner in northern Florida that sends people to me um, in this whole country. So that model absolutely failed. But what I want to say is that I have a psych NP that I refer people to. And I also have a functional medicine nurse practitioner that I refer people to, and I see her as, as a patient as well. And so she is like legit. This is Erin Bagshaw, and she is one of the few certified in functional medicine. It's like getting a PhD in biochemistry. Nurse practitioners, she has her own practice. And, and so why are we not referring to each other? Like, what is that? I, it's, it's always bewildered me, and I've had to just move on and move past it. Because I just, it just hasn't been there. You know, I, it goes back to, I think, it goes back to a lack mentality. Mm. Mm-hmm. We, um, and, and I see this in, um, you know, the business groups for, on Facebook and stuff, the nurse practitioner ones, um, and, uh, and other groups it's almost as if we're afraid to, if, if if there's not enough for us, there's not enough for us. So therefore, we can't refer, we can't give, we can't, we cannot hold up each other and celebrate each other's successes because it would take away from us. That's that's what I think all of that comes down to as far as the referrals and stuff go. When I had my practices in Washington State. Um, I was always looking for nurse practitioners to refer to. Mm-hmm. I would much rather do that because I know I know what my patients expect now in healthcare, somebody to talk to them, somebody to listen to them, somebody who's actually going to address their issues, and I wanted them to go to the same type of provider. And that wasn't always available, obviously, because there's not that many of us that do practices in the big picture but i think we also just were afraid of somebody else's success hmm. well so, so I, yeah so I, I mean yeah but then you look at somebody like gwyneth paltrow who's got this goop company and she's selling this 
marble egg that um, it, it's shaped like an egg, a piece of marble. And if you leave it out in the moon, um, you're spo it's supposed to make you more fertile and you insert it. And so this is the kind of thing, you know, and it's like $60, you know, that that's what's on the offing if we don't step into this, you know. And so, you know, a, a Academy Award winning actress stepping into this health and wellness space with, you know, zero evidence base. And so this is this is what we get because, you know, we don't have this infrastructure. So I'm just, a, you know, being the humble role model and only refer to other nurse practitioners. And of course, if there's a physician or somebody else, I'll, I'll use them too. But I have found these really, really uniquely qualified, exceptional nurse practitioners. So that's the thing is that just they, they, I know they're really good at what they do. And that that's what I want to always circle back to is just being an excellent, excellent clinician. It starts from there. It does start from there. And I would like to see us celebrate each other more. How can we do that, Barbara? You know, I think by acknowledging people first and foremost, you know, when mm -hmm. somebody steps out and says, oh, I did this, or they get, let's just say somebody gets mentioned somewhere that we're celebrating them. Mm -hmm. um, and and we, don't, we don't do that. I, I just, we don't do enough of that. We don't make it a safe, we don't have a safe place to celebrate ourselves oftentimes as well. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, I, I, I mean, I really love what you're doing, you know, encouraging people and supporting people to develop their own businesses, because that that's, that's probably this is a good place to start that this is part of the value system, your referral base, like, what does that look like? You know, who are you referring to and how do you find ta real talent? So you don't want to refer them to a mediocre nurse practitioner, you know, you want them to be exceptional. Right. Right. Let me ask you a little bit more about the health coaching that you're doing, because mm -hmm. we, um, we get a lot of questions. Um, I get a lot of questions on the blog about this or on Facebook or other social media and an email. But when you're doing health coaching, you mentioned you have patients across the country. Mm -hmm. Are you licensed in all those? Or is it that you're not doing NP practice? In uh -huh. those states, yeah, it's a really because good because there's a lot of confusion. Yeah. yeah, and I and I wish, um, you know, I would like to be part of a healthcare team, and I, I I'm edging my way there because I miss be all the collegiality, um, and so I um. I, I have nurse practitioner like on my webpage. I'm a certified, currently certified adult nurse practitioner. I keep that up, but I'm not diagnosing. I'm not treating. I'm not prescribing, and so I'm functioning as a coach. So I, um, that's kind of how I'm practicing under my coaching certification. And so as a coach, there's no, I mean, people, anyone can call themselves a coach and they, and they do, I mean, business coaches no, they've never taken a coaching class and they call themselves like a business culture, but they really are is a consultant. So I'm, I'm just, you know, that's my workaround is that, and I, I don't, uh, I'm not anyone's primary care provider, but so I'm working with somebody and they've just lost 40 pounds. And I'll say, you know, why don't you talk to your primary care about dropping down some of these meds, you know, cause you're, you've lost a lot of weight and just, or check your A1C. Like I, I help them craft questions for their primary care provider. And I never get involved in any of the, I, you know, I don't challenge. I, I never, I never give medical advice, but I, I help them with questions that that's my boundary. Does that make yeah. sense? It makes total sense because that's what I currently do with my uh, hypnosis clients. 
Yeah. And then, and then, um, you know, for, for mental health, people always ask me, what's the difference between therapy and, and coaching? And I always like to say, in my coaching training, I was with a lot of psychologists and they had to unlearn therapy. So I didn't have to worry about like what your mother did when you were five. Like I never learned how to do that, but that was, it seemed like it was much harder for them. So we're yeah. much more focused on the here and now and designing your future than we are in the past. So it, yeah. it's a very, in, unless you had a huge success, that's the only time we sort of go back. So it's very freeing. It's like, well, what do you want for the future? And let's get you there. Instead of like, oh, you know, I, I, I'm conflict avoiding. I'm a people pleaser. Like we don't, we don't spend any time there. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a, just a very different conversation. And it's always tied to actions that people are going to take. So it's not just talk, but it's like, okay, so tell me what you're agreeing to do as a result of this call, this conversation. And it comes from them. It's generative. It's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to confront this person. I'm going to try this. I'm going to call there, you know, whatever they're going to do. So they have, there's movement and that, that's makes yeah. it distinctly different as well. Yeah. Yeah. But sometimes people are, are, are really anxious or they're, they want to get off, you know, treatment for anxiety or depression and it's, it doesn't work well. So, I, I mean, I want them to, ha- I want to have a, a really good a nurse practitioner or a psych NP around that can see them. And I try to do all the non-pharmacological treatments and sometimes it doesn't work and they need a little help, you know, with the meds and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I just want to have a good prescriber on hand. Right. Right. Well, and, and that's really an, an important piece there that there is nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that even if we're looking at, you know, kind of downplaying, if you're not downplaying, but, you know, we don't care that much for the standard American model, or, uh, medical model that we have out there, but it doesn't mean it should go away. It yeah. works in some situations. It works for a lot of situations, oh, but there are well, some things yes. we just need to address it differently. Yeah. I mean, my son had a, a emergency appendectomy a couple of years ago and, you know, we were in and out of the ER and out of the OR within eight hours. He went at three and he was home by 11, slept in his own bed. It was a $30,000 bill, by the way. Um, and I don't know what that meant, but I mean, yeah, well, no, it, it's not at all to disregard that. It's just that we need more. We need, you know, yes. because we're, we, we're not really dying of acute illnesses. We're dying of chronic illnesses and, and lifestyle and what we're doing on the couch. We're dying and getting sick from what we're doing in between office visits. And that's, that's the space I'm in, the lane I'm in. And I would say that to any business owner, just getting really clear on what your lane is. And I've never struggled. I mean, I've had people call me, they are clearly in some severe mental illness i don't do that i work with really well people that are that are resourceful and creative and healthy i I don't work with the severely mentally ill i'm not equipped i'm not trained that's not what i do so just being really clear and what you say no to is so important yes you know, it is. I, I want to be successful. And so I love this work of Seth Godin. I follow him if like for marketing oh, advice, he's so thoughtful. Yes. And yeah. he talks about like the, the beautiful constraint. And so that is, you know, he brings up the Rolling Stones and they had played in Germany for years in these little bars. So Mick Jagger learned how to like, you know, shimmy around the tables and it just became like his signature move. And it was from a constraint. And, and so I want to be successful. And if I take on a client that I just know just can't show up for themselves, never mind me, I, I'm gonna not I'm gonna fail and I'm not gonna help that person. So I've gotten really good at at turning people away that aren't really coachable. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And that's just as important. I mean, knowing what we can do, but knowing where our limitations are, mm-hmm. that's that's golden. We need to know that. Yeah. And when I work with Erin Bagshaw, who's a functional medicine certified NP, she's really good at like diagnosing leaky gut and like all these, uh, I mean, I had a raft of nutritional deficiencies and problems and, and most of her clients are going to need to go off gluten and dairy. I mean, it's really hard, you know? So she uses me to have those expert conversations about, all right, so, you know, there's a mourning involved, there's a loss you know, when we're, when we're eating really, really cleanly, I mean, it's, it's not easy. And so I'm the one I can pick it up from there and help people be successful with what she's recommending. So it's a beautiful synergy. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. And that is so key about that morning because it exists for a lot of different things. But um, I just want to thank you so much uh, for being here and sharing your wisdom but can you also, is there anything I haven't asked you yet that you'd like to share? That's yeah, so, such a thoughtful, no, because I, because I, Barbara, I'm hoping that you have me back. <laughs> I am um, planning on it. Yeah. Uh, and and if, if people want to talk about coaching or the, the there's an upcoming book, Choosing Wellness, that's very personal and all of that. Yes. And I look forward to having you back as soon as that book is ready. Okay. Thank you, Barbara. It was a joy to be here. I hope that you were able to get some nuggets out of this interview. And I want to thank Eileen for taking time out of her schedule to sit down and talk with me, not only during the recording, but the discussion that we had before and after. She is a wealth of knowledge on a lot of different issues. And so I want you to also have the opportunity to connect with her. And if you head on over to the show notes at npbusiness.com, you'll find the links to her website so that you can connect with her as well. And while you're there at the website, be sure that you take a look around and see the uh, education resources and support that are available to you on the business of being a nurse practitioner. So again, that's npbusiness.com. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, for listening to the podcast, for subscribing, and for sharing it with your colleagues. This is Barbara C. Phillips, nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now. (laughs) 